Oh, what's master? How's everybody doing? Everybody okay? Good. Friends, today we're going to learn together Daf Mem Gimel of Masech the Shabbos. Um, the Daf begins with a continuation of yesterday's discussion, which was there was a statement of Rav Chista. Rav Chista said that even though they said that you may not put a kli under the chicken, however, you may um, cover it, right? You may not put a kli under a chicken to receive the egg. Uh, however, you may cover a chicken. Uh, you may, whoa, sorry. You may cover the egg with a kli, okay? So yesterday we discussed Rabba's take on that situation, which was, um, was that, let me just, um, right, exactly. Um, so Rabba's take on the situation was that, um, well, you, you know, you, you can only bring a kli if, if the thing that you're bringing it for is something that you're allowed to move on Shabbos, right? And therefore, since an egg is muktzah, so you can't bring this, um, you know, a, a receptacle to receive this muksa egg. Uh, you can't move a receptacle for that purpose on Shabbos. However, he says, that is only if it is not a common situation, such as a chicken laying an egg on a slant, on a decline where it's going to break. However, if the chicken were to lay an egg in a garbage dump, which is more common, you'd be a, you would be able to take a clee and bring it over and cover the egg so it doesn't get trampled on. Okay, that was Rob's opinion from yesterday. Now today we're continuing with Rav Yosef's take on the situation. In what cases are you allowed to bring a, um, you know, a, a kli um, on Shabbos? We are going to get to another opinion of Rav Yitzchak regarding these muksa kind of situations. We are going to talk about what do you do if there is a corpse that is in, out in the sun. So now a corpse is muksa. So what do you do if there's a corpse out in the sun? What do you do if there is a corpse in a burning house and you want to get the corpse out of the house? But again, the corpse is muksa. Um, so we're going to talk about these things. So uh, if I, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily made this crystal clear, but the idea is today the focus is going to be a continuation of the laws of muksa, which I think is pretty interesting since muksa is such a big part of Shabbos, at least at this day and age when there is mukta. Let's go weiter and shas, friends. Okay, we're going to start in Daf Mem Gimel, about six, seven lines into the page. Rav Yosef, Omar, said Rav Yosef, Hainu taimadu Rav Chista. This is Rav Chista's reasoning. This is why Rav Chista says that you would not be allowed to bring over this kli for the egg. Mishum dukamivatl kli mehichano. Because... As we mentioned, as Rashi mentioned yesterday, that if you were to bring over this receptacle and the chicken were to lay an egg into this receptacle, and now this receptacle is containing uh, something that's muksa, because this egg is muksa, it's nolad, it was something that came into being uh, on Shabbos. So now uh, you effectively are unable to use this kli anymore because it's got muksa in it, you can't move it. And because you had this kli, which was usable, you had this, let's say it was a bowl, it was usable. You could use it for soup, for chalant, whatever you want, right? So, and now you can't. So you're being mevatal the kli, you're nullifying it from its being prepared for whatever you wanted it to do. Now you can't use it for anything, okay? 
That's the problem, that, right? And that's why Rav Chista says that you can't take a receptacle and put it under the chicken to receive the egg because then you will no longer be able to use this receptacle on Shabbos. Ace Abaye. Abaye asks Akasha on his review of Yosef. Chavis shel tevel. What if you have a barrel? This is we're gonna we're gonna have many overlapping questions. The same questions basically that Abaye asked against Rabba yesterday, he's gonna ask against Rav Yosef today. Okay, so remember from yesterday that if you have a barrel and in this barrel is tevel, I assume it's talking about let's say tevel wine, wine that was untied, and then the barrel breaks. So it says that you're allowed to rush and bring over right maybe kli acher umaniach tachtel. You could bring uh, another receptacle and put it under the barrel so that whatever wine is leaking, leaking whatever tevel wine is leaking out will go into the receptacle not into and not be wasted on the floor and get you know lost and ruined new no. so how come you're allowed to do that how come you're allowed to bring over this clea isn't this clea gonna get filled up with tevel wine and you can't drink this tevel wine therefore it's muksa and therefore you can't move this clea anymore because it's containing muksa so Amar Lei, Rav Yosef responded, actually, technically speaking, Tevel Muchanu Eitzel Shabbos, Shem Avar Visikno Misukan. So Rav Yosef says, actually, technically speaking, we don't have to consider this Tevel wine to be Mukta. How come? Because, you know, the fact, you know, uh, Tevel you're not allowed to drink. Sure, exactly. If this wine is Tevel, you can't drink it. That's true. However, if you separate the tithes from it, you can drink it. Now, Midrabanan, we don't sec- separate tithes on Shabbos because it's Misakin. But if you did separate tithes, you would be allowed to drink it. So it's not like this wine is objectively mukta. Theoretically, you could separate the tithes, albeit violating a Dindrabanan, and then you'd be able to drink it and it wouldn't be mukta. So because theoretically you could do that, so this, um, the Tevel wine is not considered mukta. Um, and uh, you're actually technically not being mevatel the kli mei Okay, fine. Next question. What about the fact that we say that you're allowed to put a kli under a candle so that whatever like ashes fall off from the wick will fall into the kli and not onto your table? But aren't you going to be mevatel kli Once this kli now has these um, muktza ashes in it, you won't be able to move the kli. Nah, come on. You don't have to be concerned about little bits of ashes falling into a bowl. Yeah, sure, you put the bowl under the wick so that the little bits of ashes don't have to fall on your table. But they're not really muktza. I mean, they're like little bits of ash, not like the end of the world, right? So they're not, right? He says, they don't, they don't have any substance. They're ash. and They're not going to be considered muktza. And it's not going to be mevatal, this kli. You know, it's not like, oh, wow, this kli is holding muksa. I can't move it. You can move it. It's fine. Next. We said that what if a beam in your ceiling breaks? So you can take a bench or, you know, a part of the bed and you can use that to prop up the beam. Well, aren't you going to be mevatal, the kli mechanu? Now you can no longer use this bench or this bed part um, because it's being used to prop up the, the beam. So you had something that you're able to use and now, now it's off limits. It's being used. So the Gemara answers, No, they're not, it's not so tight over there. You didn't, you didn't put 
the, the, the bench or whatever so tight that it would now be impossible to remove it, uh, you would still be able to move it and therefore um, it would be okay. Fine. Nosnin kli tachas adelef b'shabes. You can put um, interesting. So you can put a kli under a drip on Shabbos, uh, new. But then once this drip, this drippy stuff falls into this kli, it won't the kli now be uh, full of muktza drippy stuff? And then you're going to be mivatel the kli meichanu. So the Gemara answered b'delef arawi. It's talking about drippy stuff that theoretically you could drink. Theoretically, you could drink, or I think Lukuti Rashi even says you would theoretically be able to give it to your animal, things like that. So it's not completely, uh, you know, it doesn't make the kli mukta. Okay. Okay. What about this other Mishnah that says that you can take a basket and you can put this basket in your like chicken coop thing so that the little chickies can climb on it and climb off of it and I guess have a really fun time, I guess. Create a little playground for the chickies by um, putting a little basket and flipping it over in the coop and then the chickies have a really fun experience. So now, but once the chickies climb on the basket, well then won't the basket now be batel and you won't be able to move it anymore? So, so kasavr mutter letaltalo. So Rav Yosef holds that you would be allowed to move this overturned basket even once you put it in the chicken coop. But one second, we have a brisa that says that you wouldn't be able to move this basket once it's flipped over in the chicken coop. So No, that's only as long as the chicks are on top of the basket. Okay? As long as the chicks are on top of the basket, I guess the chicks would be... Muksa? Oh, maybe it's talking about chicks that like hatched, hatched on Shabbos, maybe, and therefore they're like muksa because they're, they're, it's like no, no lad, maybe. I don't know. But either way, the assumption seems to be that these chicks are muksa, um, and we're just saying that yeah, as long as the chicks are on top of the basket, so you won't be able to move it. But the second they get down from the basket, you would be able to move it. So you're not really being mivatal the klimeichanu. One second. But we have a brisa that says that even though the chicks are not currently on the basket, it will be forbidden to move this basket because it's moksa. So Abiyabau, it says that that is talking about when we say that even if the chicks are not currently on the basket, the basket is still muksa and you can't move it. That's only if the chicks were on top of the basket during the entire Bein Hashmashos period. That since the entire Bein Hashmashos, the chicks were on the basket and the basket was muksa, so then the entire Shabbos, the basket is going to be muksa. However, if on Shabbos morning, he goes out and puts a basket, flips it over in the chicken coop, and now the chickens are playing with it, so then only if the chicks are on the basket would the basket be muksa. But once they get down from it, it wouldn't be muksa. And therefore, you know, putting a basket and overturning it in the chicken coops so that the chicks can play with it um, would not be mevato kli because as long as they're not on the basket, you can remove it. Now, Amr Rabbi 
So now, it says Rabbi Yitzchak. So it sounds like Rabbi Yitzchak actually has a uh, differing opinion to, to Rav Chizda. So as where Rav Chizda said that you wouldn't be allowed to take a kli and put it under the chicken so that the, so that the egg will fall into the kli, but you would be allowed to flip it over on the, over the egg, that would be acceptable, right? I think because Rabbah says that that would be talking about in a garbage dump where it's more common for an egg to be laid, so therefore you would be allowed to move a kli in order to, um, you know, if it's a common situation. According to Rav Yosef, you're not being mevatel kli mechano. You're just covering the kli, right? It's not like the, you know, when you put it under the chicken and the egg falls into the kli, what are you going to do? The egg is in the kli. You really can't do anything with the kli anymore. You know, it's, it's been made muksa. However, if you're just flipping it over the egg, well, you can just pick up the kli. So you're not being mevatel mechano. Now comes with Yitzchak and he says slightly different than Rav Chizda, which is Kishem she'ein nosnin kli tachas tanegolus lekabu beit sasa kach ein kofin alea kli b'shvil shaloti shaver. Aha. So Rav Yitzchak is a shtikel uh, more chamor, shtikel stricter, right than Rav Chizda, and Rav Yitzchak says that just like you may not put a kli under the chicken to receive the egg. So too, you may not flip over a kli on an egg so that to cover it so that nobody should break it. Mm-hmm. How come? Because Rabbi Yitzchak holds that the only time that you can move a kli on Shabbos is for the purpose of something that is movable on Shabbos. And therefore... If you are bringing this kli for the need of an egg, whether it is to catch an egg or whether it is to turn it over to protect an egg, doesn't matter. The egg is muktzah because it was born on Yom, on Shabbos and therefore you can't bring over this kli, uh, this receptacle for any purpose pertaining to the egg. Meisvei, we have a kasha against Rabbi Yitzchak. Kolhani tiyuvta, ah, meisvei kolhani tiyuvta. But what about all of these questions that we've been asking against Rabbi and Rav Yosef, what does Rav Yitzchak do with them, right? One example. Um, what's one example? Bringing over the kli for the tevel barrel that, that broke. And now, now you want to, you know, the wine to go into this kli, right? But you're going to bring over this kli for something that isn't movable on Shabbos, for something that's muktza, right? So, so... So, right, or, or even for these chicks, right? These chicks that are going to climb on the, on the cleat. These chicks are, apparently are muksa. So, why can you bring a basket and flip it over? So he says, Vishani, and Rabbi Yitzhak answers, Biditsarech limkomo. Aha. It's talking about, so let's just take this basket example. You want to take this basket and put it down for the chicks so that they could play with it. Fine. Now the chicks are muksa. How come I can move this basket? For these chicks that are muksa, so the answer is because the basket was, let's say, on my dining room table. It's now lunchtime. I need to use my dining room table, so that is why I'm moving this basket. Now the basket itself isn't muksa, but I'm moving this basket so that I can eat lunch at the table. And once already I'm moving the basket because I need its place, well then I can put it down in the chicken coop and let the chicks play with it. However, I would not be allowed to pick up the basket so that I could bring it out to the chicken coop and let the chicks jump on it. Okay?
Tashma, come in here. Whether you have an egg that was laid on Shabbos, whether you have an egg that was laid on Yom Tif, you may not move it. You can't use it as like a cork in a bottle. Alright, fine. And you can't use it to put under the leg of your bed to support your bed. I wouldn't have thought that you would want to do that in the first place. I mean, they do say that like eggs can be pretty strong, I guess, but I feel like there are other things that are probably just more reliable. <laughs> All right, in any event. So if you have an egg that was laid on Shabbos or on Yom Tif, you can't use it as a cork for your bottle and you can't use it to support your bed. However, you would be able to take a receptacle and overturn it over the and cover the egg with it so that nobody breaks it. <clears throat> hmm. Rabbi Yitzchak, didn't you just say that you wouldn't be allowed to do that because you're not allowed to move, right? So Rabbi Yitzchak explains the same way that it's talking about right? You needed the place wherever that Kli was. So you picked up the Kli for, so that you could, you know, use its place. And once you picked it up, then you used it to cover an egg. Fine. Tashma, come in here. Porsen machtsalos agabe avonim b'shabes. You're allowed to take a mat. What is that? Is that a cat? Well, cat rhymes with mat. Just in time, Mr. Cat. In any event, um, where was I? You could take a mat and you can cover um, rocks with it on Shabbos. Now, rocks are muksa. Well, not necessarily. Oh. It's talking about stones that are sharp, but hopefully not too sharp, um, that you can use as a wiping stone in the bathroom. And therefore, it was, I guess, set aside before Shabbos, and it wasn't actually muktzah. Okay, fine. You can take a mat and you can put it on top of bricks on Shabbos. Now, some of those bricks are muktzah because you're going to use them for building a house. And you don't build houses on Shabbos. Therefore, these bricks are muktzah. And yet we're saying that you're allowed to move this mat so you can cover the bricks with them on Shabbos. So the Gemara answers, they're not muktzah. The ishtiur mi these are bricks that were left over from building a house, so the house has already been built. It's finished. It's, it's standing. And now, um, and now uh, these bricks are just around, and you can use them for leaning on them, right? As we learned in Masech the Brachos, and as Rashi points out here, <clears throat> the bottom Rashi on the page, that this is how they would, they would lean. They would be sitting a little bit and also leaning on their left side. And I guess they can use these bricks for leaning on. So therefore they're not actually muktzah. And that's why you can, you know, take a mat and put it on top of them. Tashma, come in here. Okay. You can take a mat and you can use it to cover a beehive on Shabbos. When it's hot outside, you can use this mat to protect the beehive from the sun. And when it's rainy outside, 
you can use this mat to protect the beehive from the rain. As long as your kavana is not to trap the bees inside, because then, you know, Tzayda Tzad is, I believe, an Av Malacha. So um, you wouldn't be allowed to trap the bees. Uh, but as long as your intention isn't to trap the bees, you can cover the beehive with the uh, mat. Uh, no problem. So the Gemara said, right, so the question being that isn't this beehive muktza? So the Gemara answers that there's honey in the beehive. And because there's honey in the beehive, it's not muktza because you can, you know, get the honey from the beehive. Amrav Ukvami Mishan the Ravashi. Now Rav Ukvami Mishan says to Ravashi, Rav Ukvami Mishan is a character that we already, uh, you know, interacted with on Daf Lamed Zayin Amud Beis. It's not a very common name in the Gemara, but he says to Rav Ashi, Tenach Bimosachama Dikadvash. Well, that answer, the fact that there is honey there, so therefore it's not Mukta, suffices in the summer when the Maise there is honey. In the in the beehive. However, but what about in the winter when there is no honey? Well, then why would you be allowed to um, to um, take a mat to cover the beehive, right? Because we said and the Gemara is assuming at this point that bachama means in the summer. And Bigshamim means in the winter. And therefore in the winter, there's no honey in the beehive. So it's just simply mukta. And therefore, why can I take a mat to protect the beehive in the winter? So the Gemara answers, It's needed for those two chalos. What are these two chalos? So um, the beehive is, you know, consists of all these. If, if I'm using, I, I hopefully I'm using the right terminology but the beehive is basically made up of all these honeycombs which are those like um octagonal no not octagonal oh man ah, i even looked this up this is po- polygon 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 i believe is the six-sided shape so polygonal i guess so so the 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 um beehive is made up of all of these little polygon things which i think are called the honeycombs um and anyways so when what you do is in the summer, apparently, I'm not a beekeeper, although it does seem interesting, but um, apparently what you do is when you go to take the honey, you still leave, you know, bees produce a lot more honey than they actually need. So you can take all, you know, most of the honeycomb, but you leave these two honeycombs and that's what the bees eat. Um, so because you've left those two honeycombs, so even in the winter, there is a shtickle honey over there and it's those two honeycombs that you leave for the bees themselves. Okay. But that doesn't really help because those two honeycombs are not for us. They're for the bees. So you weren't planning on eating them. So therefore they're muktza. So again, why are you allowed to take this mat in order to, to, to protect this honeycomb in the winter when um, there's really no edible honey there? No, because um, before Shabbos, he had the kavana. He said, you know what? Forget about those bees. I'm eating those two last honeycombs. I can't help it. Therefore, it wasn't muktzah because he had a machshav already before Shabbos that he's going to eat them. Halo chashvalayumai aser. I don't know. You don't have to read it as a question. And you can also say halo chashvalayumai aser. 
Okay, either way, it doesn't really matter. So, 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 but what if you didn't have machshava and all you have is these two honeycombs that mistama are for the bees, not for you, not for you. So then Asr, well then you wouldn't be allowed to take this mat and protect the honeycomb uh, in the winter because there's only two of these honeycombs left and those are for the bees, they're not for you. Yihachi. Well, one second. That Brisa said that, you know, you'd be allowed to take this mat and protect the honeycomb as long as you don't have intention to trap the bees in there. But one second, apparently that's not the only time when you wouldn't be allowed to bring over the mat. Well, then go further and make an additional differentiation, which is, when do we say that you'd even be allowed to bring over this mat in the first place? That's only if you had the machshava in advance, the foresight in advance, to say that, hey, I want to eat these honeycombs. But if he didn't have this foresight, and he didn't say before Shabbos that he's planning to eat these honeycombs, then he wouldn't be able to bring it along. Right, so therefore, if we're saying that the only reason why he's allowed to um, bring over this mat is because he specifically had intention before Shabbos that he's going to eat these honeycombs, therefore they're not mukta. Well, then when the Brisa differentiated and said you're only allowed to bring over the mat as long as you don't have intention to trap the bees, well, then say the other thing, the other truth as well, which is the other condition, which is as long as there's at least two honeycombs there. No, as long as you had uh, intention to eat the honey, before, you know, the, these two honeycombs beforehand. So the Gemara gives kind of like a funny answer because I don't really see how it's like a great answer, but they say, what the price is teaching us is that even though he had intention to... Maybe, maybe that's the point, meaning... The, 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 the Bryce wants to focus on the fact that even though he did have intention to, um, eat the honey, and therefore it wasn't mukta, as long as he does not have kavana to trap these bees, it would be permissible to bring over the, um, mat. The reason why I think it's like a weird answer is because that was basically the Gemara's question, right? The Gemara said like, well then, if there's this additional differentiation that he needs, this additional factor that he needs to have kavanah uh, in advance, so then it should say that it needs kavanah in advance, then it basically says, yeah, but we want to say that even if he has kavanah in advance, so then he still can't have intention to trap it. But just say that. Like, why doesn't... So it, you didn't really say that what we're asking is not true. right? We're saying if it's true that he needs to have intention to eat them in advance, well, then it should say that. And we're not saying that that's incorrect. We're saying that it still is true. Just for whatever reason, I guess the Bryce wanted to focus on the fact that even if he does have Kavana to eat the things in advance, he still um, would uh, have to make sure not to trap it, I guess. It's kind of, it's, it's not an amazing answer. Okay. Anyways, the Gemara says money. But then who the heck is our, the author of this Brysa? This Bryce seems to be inconsistent. On the one hand, we're saying that he would have to have uh, a you know thought out in advance that he's planning to eat these two honeycombs, which means that we're concerned about muksa because if he didn't think out in advance to eat the honeycombs, he wouldn't be allowed to because they're muksa. 
Well then, that sounds like a Reb Shimon. No, that sounds like Rabbi Yehuda, who holds of Muksa. Yet at the same time, we're also saying that he can bring over the mat as long as his intention is not to trap the bees. So intention is a Dover Shainu Miskavin thing. Meaning, as long as he doesn't have intention to trap the bees, even if they do end up getting trapped, it's okay because it's Dover Shainu Miskavin and that's Moto. Well, that is, well, that's Reb Shimon, not Reb Yudah. So like, if, if he's holding like Rabbi Yehuda, right, when it comes to Muktzah, well then you should hold like Rabbi Yehuda when it comes to Dover Shainu Miskavin. And if he's holding like Reb Shimon when it comes to Dover Shainu Miskavin, then he should hold like Reb Shimon by Muktzah and say that there's no Muktzah. So what's the deal? So Reb Shimon, if this Brisa is Reb Shimon, well then Leis Lei Muktzah. Well Reb Shimon doesn't hold a Muktzah. So then why are we talking about he needs to have a, a Kavana in advance to eat this stuff on Shabbos that it won't be Muktzah. If it's Reb Shimon, he doesn't care about Muktzah. Reb Yehuda, if the author of this Brisa is Reb Yehuda, well, Kilo Miskavin, Mai Have. Hadav Shem Miskavin Aser. Well, if the author of the Brisa is Reb Shimon, is Reb Yehuda, then why the heck would he say that he can bring the mat to cover the beehive as long as he doesn't have intention to trap the bees. Who cares what his intention is? Rabbi Yehuda holds that Dava Shein Miskavin is Aser, even if you have the best of intentions. So Amphrit the Gemara, the Olam, Rabbi Yehuda, really, the author of this Brisa is Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, so how do we explain this Dava Shein Miskavin bit? What does it mean that he could bring over the mat as long as he doesn't have intention to trap the bees? Shlo Yasena Kimtsuda that he shouldn't make it into a trap. That's what it means. Make sure that when you bring over the mat, that you leave enough space so that you're not trapping the bees and that they have enough room to get out. Because after all, Rabbi Yudah would say that if you do end up trapping the bees, you would be chayev, even if it's a davashin miskavin, because he says davashin miskavin is aser. Okay? That was really fancy. So basically we said, in the winter, why can you bring over the mat? The answer is, because even in the winter, um, you know, there are those two honeycombs, and as long as you have intention to eat them, then they're not muksa. Now Ravashi Amar, answered Ravashi, he gives his own reason. That Brisa doesn't say anything about the summer and the winter. No way. What does it say? It says if it's sunny, you could bring the mat to protect the honeycomb from the sun. And if it's uh, rainy, you could bring out the mat to protect the honeycomb from the rain. It doesn't say that it's specifically summer or winter. Rather, we're talking about Nisan, which we're in right now, and Tishrei. That in Nisan and in, and in Tishrei, that there are these kind of like uh, turnover months, right? Where we have both. We have rain, we have sun, we have honey. And therefore, um, there's still honey, so it's not mukta. And if it's raining, you could take the mat and protect it from the rain. If it's too sunny, you could take the mat and protect it from the sun. Um, but the honey would not be mukta because there, the honeycombs wouldn't be mukta because there's honey there. Woo! Okay, that wasn't too hard, but it was certainly a nice shaklavataria. Definitely a nice back and forth over there. Okay, very good. So according to Rabbi Yitzchak, Lemaise, you would not be allowed to move something on Shabbos if the intention for it 
is going to be for the need of something that is immovable, that is mukta on Shabbos. Very nice, Rabbi Yitzchak. Amlu Rav Sheshes. Rav Sheshes said, Poku ve'imru l'Rav Yitzchak, go out and tell Rav Yitzchak, Kvartirgma Rav Huna l'Shmaitech b'Bavel. Rav Sheshes said, go and tell Rav Yitzchak that Rav Huna is already disseminating your halacha in Bavel that you would not be allowed to move a kli on Shabbos if it's for the need of something that's moksa. Dhamma Rav Huna, that Rav Huna said, Osen mechitza lemeis bishvil chai, ven osen mechitza lemeis bishvil meis. You can make uh, a mechitza as what? Like a divider. You can make like a divider, but in this case it's almost like a, like a shade, right? Making like a shady area, right? You can make this separate area um, for a corpse. As long as it's really for live people, we're going to explain what this means, but not if it's only for the corpse itself, because the corpse is muktzah. So you wouldn't be able to move the items, the materials that you need to make in this shady area if you're only bringing it for the corpse, because the corpse is muktzah. But if you're bringing it for yourself, well, then it would be permitted. Mahi, what are we talking about? The Amr of Shmuel bar Yehuda. Bechintana Shila Mari. The Shmuel bar Yehuda. These are both like somewhat uncommon names, but Shmuel Bar Yehuda we had on the other day, actually the same place where we had, um, right, wasn't it? In the same place where we had this, um, the same place where we had Rav Ukma Mimisha and Leravashi, Mamish, right before that we had Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda. Um, but we also saw Mari Shila recently, and that I don't remember where. Anyways, so... Uh, no, not Mari Shila, Shila Mari. Mesa Amuto Bahama. What if you have a corpse and the corpse is outside in the sun and you don't want the corpse to, you know, uh, be rotting? So, So, what you do is you have two people come and sit right next to the corpse, okay? Now, if they're sitting on the ground and the ground is baking in the sun and it's getting very hot and uncomfortable for them, Right, and, and the ground itself is getting very uncomfortable to sit on because it's so hot. Well, then zem maybe mita v'yoshivaleh, zem maybe mita v'yoshivaleh. So what they could do is each one can bring like a bed and sit on the bed so that they don't have to sit on the floor. Okay. Chamloim milamayla. If now the sun is beaming down on them and therefore you know they need to protect themselves from the sun, well, mevim machtelas uforsen alein. Well, then they could bring shade. They could bring a, a, a mat. They could bring some kind of a shade and and uh, cover themselves with this shade. And uh, the zel, therefore it won't be so hot for them. Now, now once already they've gotten to this point, they don't have to stick around the entire day. You know, the guy on one side of the mace can prop up his bed vertically and stand it up. And the guy on the other side of the mace can prop up his bed vertically and stand it up, and they can rest the, the, the mat on top of the beds, and they can go and go somewhere else. And Mimela what? And it turns out that this shady area, Mimela, was made um, you know, by the bed and the and the mat, yet it was made, technically speaking, for these people. And that's why it was allowed. So they wouldn't be allowed to bring these materials if they're only bringing it for the corpse to construct a shady area for the corpse. However, if they're doing it to construct a shady area for themselves, well, then that's permitted. Itmar. Meis amuto b'chama. If you have a corpse in the sun. Rav Yehuda 
Omar Shmuel, so if Yudah says the name of Shmuel, Hofchomimita Lemita. What you could do is if you want to get it out of the sun, you can kind of move the mace in a sort of kilaachar way, in a shinoi way, in a different kind of way, which is that you can move the mace from one bed to another bed until it's out of the sun. You wouldn't just be able to pick it up and move it. Rav Chanina Bashlamya, Mishmed Rav Amar, so said Rav Chanina Bashlamya in the name of Rav, Maniach Olav Kikar Otinok Umutaltalo. You can put a piece of bread or a loaf of bread or a baby on the mace and then you can move the mace. Very interesting. Like, what does that mean? Is that just like a, a, a general rule that like, if you have something that's muk- mukta, you can just like put something that's not mukta on it and then you can move the mukta thing? I don't know. That seems to be an assumption, at least right now. So you'd be allowed to put a loaf of bread or a baby on the mace and then you can move the mace. Which is what we also saw, by the way, on Daflam Ramad Beis, when David Melech died and, and, and his son Shlomo came to the Beis HaMajish and he said, look, my, my father David is dead and he's out in the sun. How can I move him? And they said that uh, you could put bread or a baby on the king. That's how they said that, right? A, what was it? A, a, a dog that's alive is, is, uh, is, is, is more significant than a, than a deadline. Okay. So, 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 Shmuel says, that you can move the mace with a shinoi. And Rav said that you may not move the mace with a shinoi, but if you kind of put something that is not moksa on top of it, well, then you can move the mace. So if there is a loaf of bread or a baby, well, everyone would agree. Both Rav and Shmuel would agree that that's the best case scenario. Take the bread or the baby, put it on the corpse, and then you can move the corpse. However, Kiplige, where they disagree, is the lace lay, is where they don't have a loaf of bread or a baby. Rav holds that moving something with a shinoi, moving something from the side of it, is considered tiltul, it's considered moving, and therefore it's like you're moving the mace, and the mace is muktzah, therefore it's not allowed. Therefore he says only if you have a bread or a baby can you move the mace, but not just, you know, with a shinoi. Whereas Shmuel says, no problem, you can move the mace with a shinoi, and that's why he says you can move it from bed to bed. Vaiter. Let's say that the machlokas between Rav and Shmuel is, is machlokas tanoim lemaise. What, oh, no, what is this? In matzilin a mace mpnei adleka, so the Tanakhama says that you may not save a mace from a fire. There's a fire that's burning in a house. You may not save the mace. Okay. Fine. I mean, you're not really going to save him that much, but I guess save him from being burnt. So Amr Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish said, Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish, Shamaiti Shmatzilin Asameis Mipneat Leicha, Mipneat Leicha. It says Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish. I don't know where Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish is. Especially, he seems to be a Tana. Obviously, Reish Lakish, Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, Stamora, Rabbi Yochanan Tzavrusa. I'm not sure who Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish the Tana is, but Seder. He says that he heard. That you would be allowed to save a corpse from a fire, from burning in a fire. What are we talking about? the Tanakama. If it's talking about where we have a loaf of bread or a baby that we could bring into the burning fire and put on top of the mace so that we can save the corpse while I guess risking the life of the child or the bread, um, well then why the heck would the Tanakama say that it's not allowed? After all, we have a loaf of bread or a baby that we could bring into the fire and put on top of the mace and then it wouldn't be mukta and, and we could take it out. So why would the Tanakhama say it's not allowed? And if the, we don't have a loaf of bread or a baby, well then, 
my time to Rabbi ben Lakish, then how come Rabbi ben Lakish says that it would be allowed? After all, the corpse is muktzah. Why can you move it? So the lav betilto minatzad pligay must be that the machlokas between the Tanakam and Rabbi ben Lakish is can I move the corpse with the shinui? And it must be that the Tanakam is saying no, you can't, and Rabbi ben Lakish is saying yes, you can. So we see that the machlokas uh, of can you move something with the shinui is actually a machlokas tanoim. Demar savar tiltu minatzad shmei tiltu. So let's say it's right that. Um, Tanakam says tiltul minatzad is tiltul, so you're basically moving a, a corpse on Shabbos and it's not allowed. Umar losh Whereas Rabbi Yudah ben Lakish says that tiltul minatzad is not tiltul, and that's why you can move the corpse. Lo, don't say that. No, both the Tanakama and Rabbi Yudah ben Lakish agree that moving something with the shinoi is still considered moving it, and you would not be allowed to move the corpse on Shabbos. Well, then how come Rabbi Yudah ben Lakish says that you can remove the corpse from the from the fire? The answer is that Rebutim and Lakish says you're allowed to remove the mace from the house because since a person is so distraught, he's so, you know, like uh, crazy, I don't, I don't know what the word is, but, um, you know, out of sorts because he has a relative or somebody close to him that died. If you tried to say to this person, no, you can't get this corpse from the burning fire. And we know what he's going to do. He's going to put out the fire. And putting out the fire is uh, an Av Melacha, whereas, right, Mechabe is an Av Melacha. Although, I guess, technically, according to Reb Shimon, maybe Melacha Shinitzrichelagufa, in which case it would be Pater. But in any event, Mechabe is, at least technically speaking, an Av Melacha if you do it right, whereas Muksa is definitely Midirabanan. So, um, that's why Reb Yudas Ben. Um, ben Lakish says that you may take out this corpse um, because of the sensitivity to the predicament of the people close to this corpse um, who will then end up extinguishing the fire. Amr Yudah ben Shila, Amr Asi, Amr B'yochanan, Halacha, Kreb ben Lakish b'meis, that Halacha is like Rabbi ben Lakish when it comes to this uh, corpse that uh, you would be allowed to remove it from a burning fire. Now the Mishnah, the Mishnah had ended with a neosin that you may not get hanav from it because it is not prepared. What does that mean? So I, I thought to say that it's talking about. Remember, we're talking about this uh, receptacle that you bring over to the candle so that if there's any oil that's dripping from it, it'll drip into the receptacle, not to the table. And we say that if you do that before Shabbos, it's no problem. Um, however, you can't get hanav from it because it's not prepared. So I was thinking, you know, even if no oil ends up dripping into the receptacle, you still wouldn't be able to use the receptacle because, you know, you, you had no intention to use it on Shabbos since you figured that it would be full of this oil. Uh, I'm not sure that that, I don't know that, that, that that's wrong, but uh, the, the Gemara seems to, I think, be referring to actually the contents, the oil that actually would get into this receptacle. Good morning, neighbors. So, 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 um, Anyways, so so the, so the Gemara seems to be talking about the contents of the uh, receptacle. Tana Rabbanan, the rabbis taught, Mosa Hashemin Shebener V'Shebekaira, whatever leftover oil remains in the um, candle, right? So you had this candle burning on Shabbos, and whatever, and then the candle went out, whatever oil is left over in the candle, or let's say instead of uh, a, a candle, it was just like a bowl that was full of oil and put a wick in there. So whatever oil is left in the bowl, 
Okay. Also, you're not allowed to move it. Reb Shimon Matir. Shimon says mutter. Mistama. It's a classic uh, machlogas of do you hold of muksa or not. So Reb Shimon would say it's mutter because it doesn't hold of 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 of, of muksa. Who would be the Tanakama? I don't know. Reb Yehuda holds of muksa. We also said Reb Nechemia holds of muksa. So maybe it's Reb Yehuda or Reb Nechemia. Okie dokie. Well, that's a wrap. Daflama Gimel of Masech Shabbos. It was a good daf, right? Thought it was cool. Had like just the right amount of like you know shaklavataria, but also interesting stuff. Muktza. What do you guys think? Anyways, recap. So we started off with um, Rav Yosef's explanation of Rav Chista's statement, where he said that you would not be allowed to put a kli under a chicken, but you would be allowed to put it, you know, cover an egg so it doesn't break. So Rav Yosef said it's an issue of right, the question is mivato kli mechano. Right. The thing is, if you were to put a Kli, uh, a receptacle under the chicken to receive the egg, well then you would no longer be allowed to use this Kli for the rest of Shabbos and you'd be Mavato Kli Meichanu. Okay? Now comes Rav Yitzchak who has a different take than Rav Chista and he says actually just like you may not put a Kli under a chicken, you also cannot flip it over the egg because he holds Ein Kli Nital Ela Litzorech Davranital B'Shabbos. Right? That you can only move a kli if it's with the intention of you of, of of using it with something that's muttered to to be moved on Shabbos. Meaning, if you're taking this kli so you could you know have it to you know for an egg, well, an egg that's laid on on, on Shabbos is muktza, and therefore you know you, since you can't move the egg, so you also can't bring a kli for the egg. Okay, and then we asked all sorts of questions. Fine, um, we ultimately got into that beehive, and we talked about. Um, you know, specifically having kavana, you know, in the winter where there's only two honeycombs which are for the bees, you'd specifically have to have kavana before and said it wouldn't be mukta. Beseder, standard kind of like mukta stuff, but as long as it's not mukta, then you would be able to bring over the uh, kli. Fine. Next, what do you do if there is a corpse that is out in the sun and you want to get it in the shade? So you can kind of have that uh, thing where um, two people go and then they get hot so they get a bed and then they get shade and that is how they build it but you would not be allowed to bring these things for the mace because you can't move something for the mace on Shabbos. Um, what if you want to move the actual mace? So um, Rob says you'd only be allowed to move the mace if you have like a loaf of bread or a baby that you can put on the mace. Um, then you can move the mace. Shmuel agrees with that Yet he goes one step further, which is said that even if you just move it like from bed to bed, you do it with a shinoi, you move with a shinoi that is acceptable. Then we got into the um, um, question of, is tiltul manatsad considered tiltul or not? If you move something with a shinoi, is it considered to, uh, a shinoi or not? So Rav seems to say um, it would be considered tiltul and you can't do it. Shmuel seems to say that it wouldn't be considered tiltul and, and, and it would be okay to do it. We then tried to say that maybe it's a machlokas tanayim. We said that it's not a machlokas tanayim. And finally, we talked about saving a corpse from a fire, where we say that um, since a, where, where Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish says that you would be able to move, remove the corpse from the fire because, um, you know, since people get very sensitive when it comes to people that they're close to who died, um, if we don't let them remove the corpse, then they might actually try to extinguish the fire, which is mechave. Um, All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed. Mem Gimel of Masech the Shabbos. I hope you have a great day, great night, great everything. Peace.